You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Oh, no! We suck again! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, the in a really, really bad Giants season, the highlight of our year was that a snowstorm came to Chicago and our flights were canceled and didn't have to go there. That's saying something. Uh, was that the highlight of the year? Could be. You, yeah. Um, <laughs> We'd have to sit at Soldier Field in frigid conditions watching a frigid football team. Yeah, but we had no... Uh, we had no pizza pot pie. That to, to, to wallow in. I mean, that's, that's, that's comfort food right there. That's what that's designed for is wallowing. That's right. For the incoming... The impending beating we were about to receive, and uh, we went yeah, with a much so, more unhealthy route of wallowing in alcohol at a bar. That's true. Yes, so, uh, <laughs> we are unhealthier for for the season. Uh, Physically, mentally, emotionally, emotionally psychologically. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> this game was a mess. Um, we sat at the bar, and thankfully, we got to see the first play of the game. So we could have left after that, knowing what was going to happen. Um, uh, not really a whole lot of words. I mean, it's so bad and it's so expected to be bad. And I just, I mean, I was kind of laughing the whole time. I mean, that first play, I mean, you, you see, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into it. We already know what happened. Mike Lennon got the shit kicked out of him in the first play of the game and strip sack. And then, you know, one play later, it's seven, nothing already. Um, this game was was kind of pointless, right? What, what does any of this matter? We, we we lost out on that trip to Chicago, big deal. You know, we lost this game, big deal. At this point, like, we were, it's not like our starters are out there getting their ass kicked. And it turned out that we were so bad this year that even the thought of the whole purpose of going to Chicago was, well, let's see what we can do about our draft. Pick. And we were so bad that it doesn't turn out to even matter who won or lost because you're just. You're improving one and you're hurting the other pick, so it didn't even really matter. Um, we missed out on the, our opportunity to tie. Yeah, I mean, you know. Though, though once that touchdown was scored, tying was out of the way. That was never going to happen. Well, you know, I, I don't want to pile on, on Glenn too badly, but, I mean, this is like, you can't even do this on purpose if you wanted. He dropped back 17 times. I'm going to read these to you really quick what he did. 17 times he dropped back. It was a strip sack, interception, a sack, a four-yard pass, an incompleted pass, a 12-yard pass, a strip sack, incomplete, another 12-yard pass, a 13-yard run, a four-yard pass for a loss, an incompletion, a sack, strip sack, an incompletion, incompletion, interception. I mean, for everybody, and I said this on Twitter yesterday, for everybody that still thinks Daniel Jones is a fumble machine and a turnover machine, Mike Lennon turns the ball over as much as you think Daniel Jones actually does. I mean, I was almost worrying about is there something wrong with him either physically or worse psychologically at this point with him where every time he gets hit, he fumbles. Every time he throws it, it's just nowhere on target. Um, you know, we have just learned this afternoon that he is going in for surgery on his non-throwing wrist will be out for the year, which – Mercy for him, he has to play the uh, to play the last game of the year. But you know, and now it's completely moot. But it's it, it's really sad what happened because he's not that he's not this bad. 
mean, we didn't sign the guy knowing, oh, well, he really sucks, and let's just bring anybody in. I mean, I think it's just he got shell shocked this season. How badly it went. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that I was one of the people that thought that Mike Lennon was an upgrade, and it's it, this is going to be perceived as me not eating crow, but whatever. Okay, fine. I, I'll just say I was wrong, even though I think I, I think I agree. Though I mean, you look at what the first game he came in, um, in in relief for Daniel Jones, and uh, that was the Dallas game, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that the game he just got like halfway through the game he just got clocked. And it, right. and it just never seemed like Glennon was the same since that moment because he came in, you know, he was kind of throwing all right, like I don't whatever you expect from Mike Glennon, you know what I mean? Just he he looked fine, and then there was just a moment there where halfway through the game he just looked suddenly like garbage, and he never looked better. In fact, he continually looked worse week after week. And then he got benched. So I mean, who knows what this does? Like yeah. again, going to the psychological side of it, it's like well, he had a concussion. To, well, no, he played. He cleared after one week, didn't he? Yeah, well, he, the Rom the, the, the played because they wanted him to play. Yeah. Because he's been playing so poorly. So, I mean, I, we don't need to belabor the point of Mike Lennon anymore. No. I mean, he is now, you know, seven days away from being a former member of the Giants, and we wish him well in the rest of his life. But uh, Good health, yeah. yeah. Well, well here's, here's my question, though, is, you know, given what I just said, you know, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just the way I'm looking at it, that, that he, he got decked halfway through his first game and been hurt ever since or something's been wrong ever since. I don't know if it's hurt or shell-shocked or whatever. But if it is hurt, I mean, I think it's worth bringing up some of the, the things that have been kind of circulating here. Scott Simonson kind of called out uh, – you know the Giants and the way they handled his injury. Um, you know, the, he gets into a thing about like being released and 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 an injury settlement and knowing that the diagnosis was worse than it actually was. And I'm I'm not really going to talk about that for this. What I am going to talk about is just simply being misdiagnosed. And I understand that that happens, but I mean he's still kind of dealing with with uh, issues with his ankle. You know, two years later, because of the way he was, the injury was handled from the get go. So, I mean, the other stuff aside, I mean, look at this. I mean, if Mike Lennon got hurt at that point and has been kind of playing hurt ever since, every single injury Daniel Jones has had since he's been here has been weird, has been murky diagnosis, murky timelines, a lot of question marks. I mean, everything. Every time he got hurt, you know, sometimes he came back sooner than we thought, but he cleared and, you know, whatever, and then he had to go out again. He hurt his hamstring in that game, and that was kind of weird, the diagnosis, and, you know, even the concussion was kind of weird this year, and Certainly, the neck in what five weeks ago or whatever. That's all been weird, and it, it calls into question Ronnie Barnes, who's been here since 1981. And there's other examples too, like you know Saquon Barkley's had kind of a weird oh sure yeah recovery for things. We were saying two years ago about Nate Solder. Remember, we're like it doesn't mm. seem like he's completely healthy. There's something up with that, and yeah. whether it's just. There are things going on that this organization and or this medical staff refuses to tell people or re- they want to release because of some sort of competitive advantage or, or whatever. But, you know, the last few years, you know, how many soft tissue injuries has this team had? How many times do we use the phrase getting guys off the street? Happens a lot on this team. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say the last few years. I'd say dating back even to Coughlin era stuff. We've had issues with being the most injured team in the league. And I don't like using excuses. So I'm not talking about the results of those seasons. I'm simply talking about that's a problem that I think needs correcting. There's no – there has to be a pattern 
that you are continually, there has to be a cause and effect relationship. It cannot just be random chance that for over 10 years, you're in the top 10 in the league for injuries. That can't just be random coincidence. And we have an athletic trainer that's been here for like 40 years. Yeah. I mean, I think when he started, you know, with well, I wasn't born I yet. I, I wasn't born just, yet when he got hired. Yeah, they're using leeches back when he started. I mean, he's been around for so long. And, you know, it kind of goes with that and also the strength and conditioning program of this team where I think they kind of go hand in hand. And you have guys that have been around for so, so long. Medical, you know, technology and nutrition and strength training and diagnosis and therapy. This all it quantum leaps, you know, from year to year and, and – having new you know you know learning new things that these older guys may not do and i i think so when we talk about the infrastructure of this team has to be completely rebuilt in the culture i think we have to look at everything outside the box of just the players and the coaches and the gm it's like everything that's in within the walls of this building yeah i agree um and that's going to kind of take us into what i think has been probably the most talked about Giants moment this year. You think this is do you think this is probably like the it's well it's certainly the thesis of this year. I mean this right here, this is the culminating this is act four or whatever act I don't know anything about theater. But I mean this is this is this everything is the, right this here. This is a Greek tragedy, so that's kind of theater it there, is. There you go. Um, but I mean this is it, right? This is one of the most important moments of this year because this really defines this year. Um, and I, I just I don't even know. So after the game in the in the post game press conference, Joe Judge is on his Zoom thing with the the media, and he's asked a fairly simple question, I guess, um, which was, "Why do you have faith that you're going to get this turned around?" And he gave a very long answer. That while he was giving the answer, reporters were tweeting that he was in the middle of a rant and was continuing to talk for over ten minutes. Um, it was expletive-ridden, uh, and he's getting more and more angry as he is talking. And uh, I read the transcript because that was what was most available. Uh, I didn't hear it until today, and I didn't really offer my take on his rant at all until I heard it just because I wanted to hear the way he said it. Now, this is really just my opinion. So I am basing this only on how I feel. So I am perfectly fine if you don't agree with me. But – my entirely conjectural opinion uh, is that this didn't feel nearly as angry as it reads when you read it um, or the way that it was reported to us was being delivered. Uh, I, I don't think that it was angry. I do feel like it was impassioned. Um, uh, at one point, he started ramping up when he was talking about the culture in the building. He started getting a little bit more indignant. And, you know, he was ramping up. A couple curse words flew in there, mostly like hell. And, yeah, but that it, was it, wasn't, like a, it wasn't that serious. That's like a movie in 1982 was rated R because they said the word shit. Yeah. Yeah, you it know, really today, wasn't. Today would be lucky to be a PG movie, but back then, so – Expletive written, it was not. It was. It really wasn't that serious. But what it did feel like to me was rehearsed. And what I don't mean – because everyone seems to have this opinion that he's talking to these people. He's This is a big message to his bosses. And I sort of agree. But when I say rehearsed, what I mean is this conversation, it's already happened. He's already had this exact conversation. He's already given these answers for himself. And, you know, I, I – 
it's you know it's a discussion I think he's had with both of his bosses, you know Steve Tisch and and John Mara, and I don't think Dave Gettleman. And I think the conclusion of that conversation was he is returning, um, and you know he said a lot of things in here that that were interesting. Uh, I, I, we can kind of go through it a little bit there. Um, there's a couple things that I think are worth picking out and dissecting. But at the end of the day, when I heard this. To me, it sounded like a guy that has a ninety percent chance of returning, yeah. or more. That's how and, I felt. And I and I definitely agree with you. And here's why I think so. So I always say this on this show and on Twitter: there is no one individual game or one individual play or one individual series that ownership or a general manager or a head coach or anybody says, "Okay, I've made my decision because of that." You look at the entire body of work, and I think. You know, the way this season has unfoiled, uh, you know, transpired over the last couple of weeks with all the injuries and everything. And no, that's not an excuse. That is a fact. You know, just look at who's available to play, you know, at the most important positions. It doesn't really matter what happens in week 16, 17, and 18. The decision has been made to bring him back or not. And, and I completely agree with you. That speech was not, first of all, when I first was hearing, reading the tweets, I was expecting to see something like the old Denny Green. That's uh, what I thought. Yeah. The post game thing, like he was just like screaming and yelling and knocking things over and all that. Wasn't that at all? Um, I expected to hear rambling. Didn't hear rambling. I mean, it went. No, on. it felt organized. It felt like it just went on a little far too long for for a press conference thing. But it it, it felt like it should have been a a speech that should have been given after week seventeen. Mm. Or now, or week eighteen now, like your state of the union address as we're leaving. You know, the last game of the season. What have you learned? Why should we be doing this? It was an interesting question to ask this week. Um, but I completely agree with you. I think this speech was not meant to save his job, like a lot of people are reporting. I definitely think that these conversations already happened with ownership. I think he probably made a lot of these points already. And the decision was made that you are coming back and you're going to have an important role in rebuilding this team, rebuilding the culture, you know, maybe even go back to things like we're talking about the uh, the trainers, like everything within the building, you know, who we want for the new GM, how they're going to work with you. They have a lot of faith in this guy. Um, you know, he he sold them on not just X's and O's and wins and losses, but rebuilding a culture. And if you're going to do that, you have to give it time. That means everything has to be in place before you say it's not working. They probably tried a little hybrid with seeing how he would work with Gettleman, the old guard in him. Well, Gettleman's going to be gone in one week from right now. So it's not going to be a, well, you have one year to prove yourself type of thing. I think they're going to give him a couple years after this to see if this culture thing really does happen. Um, So to me – this was a speech that kind of validated to me that he is 100% coming back. Um, it was not a plea or a, a, a desperation thing. It wasn't an unhinged guy. I mean, he said a couple of foolish things, I think. You know, I, I, some of the things like players who were here and were making more money now wish they were back. Yeah, that might have been a little hyperbole, a little bit. Uh, but the things he was saying, I think, are just his attempt to try to sell it to a fan base into the media but however i don't think right now is the time that the fan base wants to hear it 
right after getting your ass kicked again and the prospect of getting your ass kicked one more time to a division rival. Uh, so I don't know if it's, if it's going to fall on deaf ears with that target audience, but the one that really matters the most is what ownership thinks. And I think they're on board with him. And I, and I, I think more than ever, he's coming back. My only thought is, before we launch into some some line-by-line things here, uh, my only thought is, you know, I, I think he's back barring some kind of, you know, obviously there's a caveat there. Like if, if word comes out halfway through the, the summer that you, you beat some guy up and there's security video, you know, any oh, kind of, of PR disaster. Yeah. Right, right, of course. Naturally. Right, right. But what Maybe I'm saying, those... Maybe be fired. I mean, exactly. out of left field. But but you have to draw a line on what is and isn't a PR disaster. The way that the rest of the league is reacting to this on the morning shows and the talk shows and things like that, is this a PR disaster? I mean, I don't think this is what John Mara wants, was that rant to be there. No. So I wonder if he shot himself a little bit in the foot by delivering it. It's possible. It's very you know, possible. Given, given that our theory is correct here, because it is just that. I, I have no information on this. I'm not even really giving good reasons. It's just a feeling. It's well, just how I felt. Well, I think the most important thing is, you know, how – this was an attempt to appease the fan base and the media. But the question is, how is he going to look to his team? Yeah. Did – you know, we'll see a little bit, you know, on Sunday. Is this team checked out for week 17? And he mentioned the golf clubs things as a direct reference to Golden Tate, yeah. things like that. But let's see. I mean, I, I, watching the game as bad as it was yesterday, I didn't get the sense that this team had checked out. I mean, I think they tried. I think they played. I think the defense played their asses off. I mean, yeah, talk definitely. About, you, know, you know, they were dealt the worst hand of poker you could possibly this entire game, and this game could have been really, really ugly. And they, 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 they're, they're, they're playing for him. Um, you know, again, this all goes back to kind of what does all this mean and how how important is this? Uh, you know, a game like that, you know, there was very little chance they were going to win given, you know, the quarterback situation and everything. And, you know, a lot of people are complaining this week about Judge and about like, well, why don't they – why didn't they maximize you know, the talent that's on the field and why didn't they coach him up to, you know, and nitpicking on individual plays and going forward on fourth down and stuff – See, I'm looking at this a little differently. To me, I really think that this organization needs to get this season over with as fast as possible. And I really think that they well, went to the mindset, yeah. the mindset for this game of let's just get out of here as fast as we can without making this a complete embarrassment. I mean, that score really could have been 50 to three, and it wasn't. Uh, you know, but you so you're not gonna you're not gonna take shots with a quarterback. You're not gonna do things that they can't do just to show like they're trying to win. So I don't think it's necessarily – well, they're trying to lose on purpose. I think they're trying to minimize you know, any more embarrassment to this team and more criticism. You know, they're just trying to get – it's almost like a, a, a college team that you know, when Florida plays the first game of the year, they'll play some scrub like Central Idaho or whatever. They'll pay them their million dollars to come in, and they, they're a home game. They get to fill the swamp up. They lose 60 to nothing, and everybody moves on with their lives. Iowa knows they're not going to win that game, so they're not going to, you know. And I've seen it a hundred times. They don't come in there with you know five wideouts and trying to spread the field and do these get mismatches. No, they play it very close to the vest. It's not what they're going to be doing the rest of the season when they're in their own conference stuff. They just want to get through it. Don't get anybody hurt. Survive it, and we'll move on with our life. And I think that's really, unfortunately, where we are with this giant 
season and this giant organization right now. It's We're seven days away from starting to rebuild this organization from the ground up. Let's just get out of here and get anybody hurt and not having a 60-burger put on us. It's a punt. It's a punt, not a tank. Exactly. You're not trying to lose, but you're not trying to win. You're trying to survive. That's punting. Yeah. Um, you're trying to survive more than win necessarily. Correct. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, it's it's you know, what happened to Matt Parrott is 100% what you don't want to happen. A guy that you're trying to build up and maybe make a part of your roster in some respect next year, whether it's starter or swing tackle or whatever he is, he's got to be something. Um, he's probably out for all of next year now because of the the late timing of his injury i'm not really sure how much of a hard worker he is to come back from an acl tear you know in one year anyway he's also a bigger guy i mean it's just he's out for next year so grump would you do i mean i don't want to you know step on thursday show or anything but for the final game of the year do you even start guys like uh saquon or i think so yeah i mean for that that potential guys that maybe not be 100 percent healthy and someone like him who's still no well this this is the difference between tanking and punting yeah. Not starting your your starters is tanking. You know, pulling, I mean certainly pulling like the Eagles did, pulling when you're winning, pulling your backup for your backup backup, that's that's tanking. Punting is you play your starters out there and you don't try to do anything fancy. I mean, you notice the trick plays are gone. There's no attempt to win here. This is a survival match. But I, I don't want to. I don't want to step on Thursday too much. But that that was a yeah. perfectly fair question. But um, yeah. I do want to get into a couple of lines here from this rant because I do rant. Uh, I do want to pick out some things that I thought were really interesting, especially if you look at it through the lens of that this conversation's already happened. Um, and it's right off the bat, the first quote I found notable is probably the most important one that we're going to talk about. Um, And this is actually a fairly controversial quote. I mean, people are asking questions about this. He said, there's a number of foundational things that are going in the right direction on and off the field. And then he said, on and off the field. You got that? So my initial thought when I was, and literally I listened to this and I I started typing, just taking random notes as he's talking. Who? Who are these foundational pieces going in the right direction? I mean, I feel very good about Andrew Thomas. I don't think I feel very good about any other player on offense that's a found maybe Kenny Galladay is a foundational piece that's you know heading in the right direction as far as the the, the position group on defense there's a couple of guys you know maybe Leo Ojolari Roche Bradbury Jackson McKinney maybe Logan think, Ryan you don't put Daniel Jones in that category is he a foundational piece that's going in the right direction I guess so um, yeah I would say this year the things that he improved on. He improved on individually with his pocket movement uh, and and continuing to keep the turnovers cut down. Uh, those things, I would say he's probably going in the right direction. Um, yeah, fine. Um, but then when I started thinking about off the field and what that even means, what are the foundational things going on off the field? Um, I mean, it could be culture things, right? Like not the golf clubs and that thing. Nobody's talking about vacations. But then I was really thinking about it. Can off the field mean not even players? Is it possible that when he says off the field, he means front office and staff-related foundational pieces going in the right direction? That's at least interesting if you think about it. I mean, does that mean that the scouting department is now running more the way he wants it? Is What is his role in player evaluation and player acquisition? I mean, we saw kind of a – was – maybe we didn't. Let me ask you. Um 
Did we see a different offseason this year in terms of style than we had years prior? What about last year? This one going into this year, also the other one with Joe Judge, the 2020 offseason, as compared to the other two Gettleman years with Shermer. Did it feel like the offseason was somehow different or that somebody else was more involved or, or anything like that? Well, I mean, you can't compare to last year, 2020, because of COVID. So that was not... I mean, as far as player acquisition goes, the draft, free agency, that's that, that sort of thing. Um, I felt the, the offseason was a little bit more of uh, getting back to that. I think we can sniff the playoffs. Let's put some more of our chips in for more of a... A little bit more of a win now than a, you know, build methodically. I think... Uh, and this is the one thing we were a little concerned about last year... You know, like we were this close to making the playoffs, but we both didn't feel that we were a playoff team. And we were afraid that they might have uh, had a little bit of fool's gold, you know, and thought maybe, oh, we're better than we actually are. And maybe they, you know, made some moves to, you know, try to win more now than maybe down the line. I mean, did they really need to spend like for, for, for Galladay? Is he really – if, if – Let's say we were in a different division last year and there was no playoff, you know, chase in December. You think the outlook of this team is different? That he may not have been in acquisition, you know, because we went right up to the salary cap with, with, with uh, guys that we got. I don't deny that. Um, but whether – see, like the thing is, is that A lot of the things that we spent a lot of money on this offseason were three pieces, right? And, and correct me if I'm forgetting one that we spent a ton of money on. But in my mind, it's Leonard Williams, Adoree Jackson, and Kenny Galladay. Those are the three big money expenditures we had, right? Yeah. I mean, um, Leonard, Leonard Williams, you can kind of almost put a little asterisk. It was like, well, we invested. They were stuck in that. They, they were. Joe yeah. Judge was stuck in a situation Dave Gettleman kind of put him in that all had to do with a trade franchise tag etc so i mean that it, that one does get an asterisk but then you also think about the other two spots and one of them is a number one wide receiver spot that maybe you can get in the draft but remember which, you still which have they turn around and they draft with a, their first pick they draft a wide receiver hang on but but they didn't get it they don't have an alpha. that's he's Kadarius tony is not an alpha guy and, and i quite frankly i'm not sure that there was other than jamar chase a guy quite like kenny galladay in the first round of this draft I don't know. I have to think about that and revisit the wide receivers that were there. But in any case, um, my point is that the two other spots, the second corner spot and that number one wide receiver spot, those are two clear weaknesses that they had in 2020. They couldn't really throw to, uh, uh, you know, an alpha. I mean, there was no the, – the most alpha guy we had was Golden Tate. And, I, I mean, I think there was friction there from his personality to begin with. I think also – you know, he's a contested catch guy. They weren't really using him. Whatever. The point is, is that both of those things, that cover corner, corner two, and that alpha wide receiver, those are the hardest things to find sometimes, especially that cover corner. And they had an opportunity to buy them. Those were the two areas that needed to be improved upon the most. So, also, yeah, also, maybe they made a real shot at it. But also, I mean, those were two things they were going to have to improve dramatically in a dramatic fashion one way or another. So, yes, but kind of no. I also feel kind of like it's almost like the quarterback position. It's like... Yes, that's they're the hardest pieces to get, but there's also a time and a place when you go for it to get them. 
right? I, mean, I would disagree with quarterback. I don't think there is a time and a place for when you get him. If there is a guy and you have an opportunity to get him, you get him. I think that's the Aaron Rodgers lesson. Yeah, but I mean, they also had a lot. But Green Bay also had the luxury that they could because they, you know, they had a really good team at the time, and they were just thinking, you know, they had some assets to play with to, to draft him. My my point being, it's like, you know, that's going to go back to the argument of do you draft a quarterback this year with with our two picks, or do you trade for Russell Wilson? It's like, do you need that guy right now with all the other things you need to? Well, yeah. If if you're talking about if you're yeah if if you're talking about um, like spending capital to obtain like a veteran quarterback, whether it's trade money for a free agency or or draft capital or all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Then then yeah, then I understand what you're That's saying. That's my point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then there is a definitely a time and a place for that. That is and, without and question. And that receiver, that 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 wide receiver one I think is also it fits in that category as well. It's like, yeah, at some point when you're going to make when you're ready to make that jump to become a serious pretender, yeah. You you go out and you get him, but right now I mean other other holes that need to be filled first, but okay. But they, well, well, here here's my other thing though. Closer. Yeah, I, I I I yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, you're probably right. Well, okay, so here's what I think is different between those two off seasons. Didn't it feel like there was like a lot more campaigning to get players? Like Kenny Galladay was like a wasn't that like a four day event? Was like hosting him around and making sure he signed here. Adoree Jack. It almost feels like. Someone in the building had to convince somebody else in the building. Well, it felt inevitable. Like, the leak started pretty early. Like, you, sometimes just all of a sudden, oh, we we signed this guy? That's awesome. Like, Golden Tate was just, oh, we, we got him? Cool. But this was kind of like, yeah, there's been rumblings that the Giants are trying to get him. And like it's, it was almost like, you know, a foregone conclusion. And then just like, oh, it finally happened today. Yeah. That's what I mean. It was kind of like... I don't know if there were you know, plants in, in, in the media out there or something or leaks or whatever, but it definitely seemed like that was a target. There was a dance going on between the two, and then ultimately it, it, it happened. I don't know. I guess my hypothesis is that I think that Joe Judge has slowly, at least to Mara, earned more and more responsibility. And I think when I, I'm guessing – completely guessing that when he's saying off the field he's also indicating that some things in this organization are changing in the way that he wants them to go and that's what that's he means it. by the right way he, right i think way i think right. that i think that the scouting department um or at least it's possible <laughs> i don't know i i'm trying my best here with this i i it's hard for me to find an off the field like culture thing that was so important that he said and, and all that. I don't know, whatever. I think I think it comes down to something as simple as being on all on the same page. We, we you know yes. at some point at some point it will come out whether you know Gettleman and Judge got along or didn't get along or whatever. But you know they made the decision, and I think again this press conference is more evidence of that that they are all in with Joe Judge. Joe Judge is going to be the, the, the straw that stirs the drink for this franchise. They're I think you're right. To, they're going to get a general manager that is aligned with the principles of the head coach. And to be very honest, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. If you believe – No, I mean that's that's a that's a fundamentally you, good thing is getting those two things on the same page. If you believe head coach that much and you know, from the, the big concept things first – the X's and O's and what happens in the field will come secondly, then you revolve around him. 
it's not just the GM, you know, people make the GM out to be more important than it actually is. I think everybody thinks, well, we got to be on the GM schedule so he can pick his head coach. You know, the guys who make more money in this league are the head coaches, the really good ones, than the general managers do. They're the ones that are more in demand. They're the ones who, you know, are in commercials. They're the ones who people know what their names are. Quite frankly, those are the ones who get up behind the microphone every week. Exactly. Exactly. So So they end up representing your franchise now, more than your GM. Right. So the, the, the million-dollar question is with the mayor is, are they hitching their wagon to the right guy? Well, a yeah, that, who, that's the question. A guy right? who doesn't have the track record as bringing in – I'm not even going to say Belichick or Parcells. That's, those are one in a million guys. I mean bringing in someone like uh, – I don't know. Who would be a – who's a – Andy Reid, for example. You know, if, if you bring in Andy Reid, he has that kind of clout where you know, the universe revolves around him in an organization. Joe Judge hasn't earned that yet, you know, and he's still in his first go around of building culture. And this culture now, we're going on year three of this culture building. You know, he's building foundation. He's built you know, brick by brick. And I hate to say that old Tennessee reference, but at some point, <laughs> you can build culture all you want. We get to start seeing things on the field too. So, you know, there are things to be left to be desired with Joe Judge, the head coach, not Joe Judge, the culture builder. The head coach, and so, I, again, and I'm also going to, to give a pass to the last few weeks because, again, I think what they're trying to do on the field is different than what they would do if this was a nine and sixteen. So I don't care about okay, they 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 punted on fourth down on the forty yard line in this game in Chicago. Not the same as real life in, in a real situation. I I do want to talk about culture because that was when he started. That's the only time I think you can really start calling this a rant because to me it sounded like he was just talking. Um, and you know, perhaps being a little bit rambly, but when he started getting cultures, when he started getting slightly fired up, um, and uh, he he explained culture. You know, when he what he said was is when he came here, he sat down and every single player told him that the culture was bad. This isn't a team. People are, are, you know, whatever. And that, to me, also feeds into this indictment of the front office. I mean, Dave Gettleman was here. I don't think he's he that whole thing was talking about Pat Shermer's culture. I actually think that that was an indictment of Dave Gettleman's culture and the front office culture. I think everything here is he's kind of calling out. Yeah, but to me, that that's more on the coaching staff than the front office because the coaching staff is around the players every single day, whether it's head coach, coordinators – Position guys, analysts, uh, strength and conditioning guys—they're the ones. Yeah, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is that Joe Judge came here in 2020. Dave Gettleman here was in 2018. They both came here preaching culture, but Joe Judge got here two years after Dave Gettleman and said that the culture was bad. At that point, you kind of have to be saying that he's done a bad job of changing the culture. That's what he said happened in 2020. He's saying that when he got here after two years of Gettleman, the culture was bad. That's what he's saying. So to me, that's calling out the front office. I know that it, it's probably Shermer's more involved, but you know, Shermer is Dave Gettleman's hire too. Well, that's just more evidence that Joe Judge is very, very confident in his job, where he can say that. Exactly. That's so. That's Guys, yeah. You know, if, if, if your boss is going to be out the door in eight days, you have the freedom and the shackles aren't on you to say, 
you know, we're working together. If you notice, he didn't mention one time in that rant working with Dave Gettleman in the. Well, he didn't future. mention anybody's names. No, no right. names. He he very seriously implied some players, but you know, if, if this was a situation where Gettleman was going to be back and he would be back, he would say, you know, Dave and I are working together to do this. But that was a me speech. That wasn't even a me and the next GM or me and the front office. It was him. So. Not only is he completely confident he'll be back, probably from conversation with the ownership, but he's been given assurances, I think, that his influence and power in this team is going to grow. I think I think Joe Judge eventually wants to be one of those guys who has complete control of the organization, like a Bill O'Brien was in Houston, or how Jimmy Johnson was way back when with Dallas, where he controls everything. Now, he may not be a micromanager of everything. He may be taking that model of being the CEO that we kind of like, but he wants to have final say over everything. I final think that's right. Over, final say over how the scouting department works. Final say over how the draft will be run. Final say over, you know, uh, how offseason is. Final say over the strength and conditioning and, and the medical, all of these things. Right. I think he wants to be kind of the head of the organization in a certain sense. I don't think he wants to run the scouting department. I think he wants to tell them how he wants it run so that when the reports come in and on draft day, it's so much easier because it's all part of the way he wants it to be and it's all laid out. He wants he wants everyone to be on the same page. He just wants it to be his page. I don't think he so, actually wants to be in there telling people what to do on a day-to-day basis. I just think when the reports come in and it's time, he just wants so, it to be laid out for him the way he wants it. So nobody's like, He's not necessarily trying to be a CEO. He's trying to be a chairman. Like, you know, Bill Gates at some point was no longer a CEO. He was the chairman of Microsoft. So somebody actually ran the day-to-day operations of Microsoft. Right, okay, okay. At the end of the day, if Bill Gates said, you know, I think you should make uh, Windows, you know, 2020, they made Windows 2020. So I think that's ultimately – I mean, it's almost like a higher thing. But if, you know, because like to your point – he never became the special teams coordinator as well as head coach. He delegates right. that. He, I don't even think he ever wanted that. I think he came right. here just kind of wanting to just make the final decisions and have the final say on things and, and, and on top and of that. Do, and then go do your job and do right, it. Right, with most of his work being teaching the players, you know, coaching. That's what he wanted his job to be. But he just wanted it. He wanted the – yeah, you get it. I, 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 I don't need to explain myself to you anymore. But and this, is, what this I, is not bad. I mean we're not criticizing. Not necessarily. I mean the, the point is, is he good at it? Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, He's untested. We don't know. Um, so the one other thing is that he noted that they have the right teaching culture there, which was, as he put it, behind closed doors. And he was kind of elaborate about – you know, I can say to a man to his face all the things he did wrong and what he's got to do to correct it, whatever. But he said he won't put his players on blast in front of a microphone like some other coward. Now, those are his exact words. I'm probably reading too much into this. But by some other coward, is he indicating a hypothetical person or is he actually referencing someone? Is he actually referencing Rob Sale? Uh, you know something? <laughs> If he was referencing Rob Sale, Rob Sale would not be coaching right now because he fired his uh, offensive coordinator in the middle of last year. Uh, his, well, I mean, I don't think he – I think he was – I think despite friction, he only fired him because of the blow-up that happened. I think if if there was just friction there, I don't think he was I, I, he was going to fire him midway through the year. I don't think there's any way that uh, he would bet. 
he would uh, subtweet a current member of his team, coach, player, even Gettleman or something. I, 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 I that's probably the worst way to develop culture is to do something like. Well, that. I mean, I, I guess. My, my, my question was going to be off of that. If it was, is it possible that he had friction with Sale after he agreed to go to UF? Maybe he's not working that hard at that point. Because we don't – we know that that deal happened a while ago. It was not – I mean maybe he should, but I, I don't know what to tell you. Is it possible he's also, is what I'm he's saying. Also a guy, he's a guy from the, uh, the Belichick tree, which is very similar to the Saban tree. And you know, they fire guys if they're not working out no matter when it is. I, I really don't think so. I, I don't think that uh, no, if you're trying to build culture, you kill, you cut out the cancer immediately. If there's a, a problem with that, I, I don't think he'd be here. Well, anymore. do you think it's actually possible that he's calling out someone from last year? Is he calling that's out Mark Colombo? That's very possible. I mean, he, I'm trying to remember. Did Colombo is Colombo one of the ones that specifically? said something about Andrew Thomas in the midst of it because I know there was that whole thing at the beginning of the year about Andrew Thomas and his technique and he's doing this wrong and then you know Joe Judge got in there and he changed the way he was doing it and then there was that whole fight because you know weeks of him correcting his own coach and the way he's too I just don't remember if Mark Colombo is one of the guys that that called out Andrew Thomas publicly you know there was also something who was it uh Minnesota coach yesterday ripped somebody asked him a question yeah, Zim, somebody asked Zimmer about, do you want to see that quarterback play again? He said, like, hopefully not. Oh, when they asked about Mond? Y- uh, yeah. And he so, just said no. <laughs> yeah, I like Mike Zimmer hopefully personally. Hopefully not, I think it was his quote. So maybe that's what he was thinking of, like a hypothetical, like, that's kind of a okay. deep thing to say by a head coach. So who knows what he was saying. We do know in the rest of the press conference, he did make references unnamed but very obvious who he was talking about. References to players from last year and current players on the roster in situations. So I don't think he made up a straw man to prove his arguments. I, I think he actually did. Look, I just think this whole I don't think he was I don't think he was ready in that very second to give that answer. And I think he right. because just because yeah. he had that conversation previously and made up those same points, it's kinda of like how we prepare for this show. You may have in your head what you want to say. You don't know exactly when you're going to actually insert it into there, and you might just go longer than you thought and just repeat yourself. You know, you don't have the edit button when you're on a, on a thing like that either. So, I, 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 I think that uh, if he had his chance, you know, he probably wished he didn't go on for so long. I think a lot of people were more about how long he's, people just take long to equal rambling. Well, to to be fair, I looked at our recording when we were at 12 minutes and how long it felt, like how much it felt like we discussed in that time. It was a pretty lengthy period of time. I'll I'll give them that much. That's a long time. I mean, people probably don't – I mean, you see me drinking water, but like I really do get thirsty at the end of these podcasts. So to talk for 12 minutes straight – and the episodes that I've had to do without you, they're always shorter and they're always more exhausting. I mean I could do a, an episode with you that's an hour with th- – a half hour beforehand and a half hour afterwards that we're I, talking and I feel fine. But those 30-minute ones by myself are brutal. You, you know, we make fun of guys like Colin Calvert, you know, for being bozos. But those guys every day talk for three hours. Guys it's like insane, him. Guys like, guys like Rush Limbaugh. Guys like, you know, Sean Hannity. I'm not – please don't. DM me saying I'm getting political. I'm making a point about how they have the ability to talk for three hours, 
nonstop. Not with a guest host, not with a co-host, not with interviews. They just talk. And it's amazing how they could do that. And you're right. It's not easy. And I know something. You could tell he is passionate about all that stuff. Yeah, like there's no – what I'm saying is that there's no way to know that you're not going on for a long time talking for 12 straight minutes to people who are just silently listening. There's really no way to not notice that you've been talking for a long time. Also, wasn't it a Zoom? Wasn't it a Zoom? Yeah. So – Oh, there's an actual timer. Yeah, you're right. There's a clock in the fucking corner. Everybody was in the room with him. It's just one thing if you're sitting at the podium and you're talking to people and they're in that little classroom kind of setting. When you're on Zoom – you're just talking to – I'm talking to you right now. I don't – you know, it could be one person or it could be 100 people. It's not the same as talking to an audience. Yeah. I think the bottom line, the most important thing about this is, well, again, what does this all mean? Is this really that important in the grand scheme of things? Is this, is this something people are just keeping their – we're just picking on the Giants now because it's been an embarrassing year and it's easy to pile I on. I think we're being nice. Yeah. No, I don't mean us. I mean, oh, oh, oh. What became of this? And you know, it, I mean, you pile on things. I mean, the Antonio Brown thing. You know, because it's him. That's an even bigger story than it was just Joe Blow who, who leaves the, the game and everything. So the Giants right now are a story. They are a disgrace. They're an embarrassment. And all these things just snowball out of control. Does it really mean? Do you have any less confidence in Joe Judge to do what he can do based on that? No, I mean my confidence in him is is bad in-game decision making. It's not actually any of the things that he went in there and and tried to defend. I mean, or, or whatever it was he was doing. To be honest with you, all the talk about culture and stuff like that is not really even something that I blame him for if it's off. I mean, a lot of player acquisition I do put on the general manager, and the fact that he's only been here for two years, he can only control so much of the roster. So none of that shit was any of the stuff that I was really all that worried about. I mean, it's the in-game preparation stuff that I'm worried about, which was not to be found in really any of that conversation. Yeah. So I, that rant to me... Again, this to me, just to kind of surmise this episode, we're going to kind of end here. Um, That rant to me really felt like a conversation, and we're going to be talking about it the entire offseason because it's going to be brought up whether Joe Judge is fired or retained because I do think that there's references to the front office in this answer. I do think that there's at least one reference to the front office in this answer. And whether Joe Judge is fired or retained or guys in the front office are fired or retained, we're going to be talking about the things that he says in here throughout the whole offseason. So, ah, I don't know. It's it's more important than I want it to be. One final thing. I just thought of this now that if he's making pointed references to the front office, do you think that increases the chance that they look outside the organization to bring in a GM? Because it sounds like if this was a conversation that already happened with ownership and we surmise that he got the voter confidence and the freedom to actually say these things, if we want all – and it, we, we, we think that he was kind of calling out the front office. Would it seem a little weird to keep somebody from the front office and elevate him to be above him? Yes. Or do you think that this is kind of a veiled reference that they are looking outside – you know the, the Kevin Abrams of the world to correct find someone yeah. new. Yeah, I think they're. I think they are getting outside the box here. I, I think so too. I think this. And I think this speech actually helps me feel more comfortable. If they are going to do that than they did before. Yeah. Um, yeah. This guy isn't a dummy. I mean, some guys are just. 
They say things that may not – delivery may not be the greatest, but some people, they don't – their words mean something. They don't say things just to say it, and I think Joe Judge is a smart guy, and I think what he said may be too long-winded, but he was trying to give a message and a lot of different messages in there, and if you could get it, you can learn a lot what's going to happen. And you can find our messages on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. He's at the cranky fan. And this show is at just giants pod. And of course, our episodes are on Google play, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and of course on YouTube where you can also see us. So subscribe there if you will. And we will be back Friday morning, kind of previewing the Washington football team and probably going over what other shit show thing happened between hey, now it's and our then. Last- our last Thursday show of the year. How about that? It is. It is. We will be going to once a week shows. I should have said that. You're right. That will be our last Thursday recording Friday morning show, barring any breaking news stuff until draft night, probably, right? I would say so, yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess celebrate your last Friday with us. Um, <laughs> but there, you know what? There's going to be plenty of – I mean we're probably going to be doing like three episodes next week. Let's be honest. With the, with what's probably going to transpire immediately following next week's game. So it's all that much more important to follow us on iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever your listening platform is and, of course, on YouTube because we are such handsome people. I am not going right. to shave again. So oh, well, now you just killed it. Every, it's, it's, like 65 people just unsubscribed. <laughs> what should I not shave again until we fire Gettleman? We get a new <laughs> – we fire – judge we win a super bowl what should i do <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll throw uh, up a poll and you can tell us what i should do with this beard yeah. or should i just get rid of it or just wear a bag over my oh head? you should have to grow different facial hair based on different results like you have to grow a handlebar mustache if gettleman's <laughs> retained you have to wear chops if judge is retained <laughs> um you got to do the the uh the the, the villain the squiggly do if um, they hire an outside, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I'll think of something fun. Well, we'll get you, you know, some good. Sorry, ladies, art. but I am married, and if I do one of these, <laughs> I may be actually maybe single if I go with the uh, the Smedley mustache. But uh, we'll think I'll, of something fun. I'll have you sign off on all the outcomes. But Stop. in any case, be sure to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, whatever. Uh, we will see you all on Friday. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants.